You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the glorious Brooklyn Nets playoff preview podcast. And I have brought back... The Brooklyn Net fan crew here at the WFAN CBS Sports Radio studio. Mike Biseglia, who produces Moose and the Taz. Taz and the Moose. Taz and the you Moose. get that wrong every time. <laughs> and Billy, who is in charge of all those glorious CBS sports minutes that everybody loves. Fellas, let's just cut right to the chase. When, during the course of this season, did it hit you that, holy crap, they're going to make the playoffs? Was there a moment, Billy? I think... Towards the end of the seven-game winning streak. Oh, you that early, really? I thought that there was a chance. I thought this. I thought this team had turned the corner, and they were clicking. And I said, you know what? This is a possibility. You know, it, it's funny when they had the winning streak, and it was great, and it came out of nowhere, and it started against the Toronto Raptors in Brooklyn on a Friday night when Fred Van Fleet missed a wide-open look to hand the Nets another brutal loss. Even during the winning streak, see, I wasn't as confident as you were. I thought it was great that they put this winning streak together. I thought it showed a lot of poise. But I always say this in sports. I say this a lot, mostly during baseball. It's what you do when the winning streak ends. And so, to me, the game that jumps out at me, or I think I even said to my wife that night, holy crap, was the Houston Rocket game. Yeah. Okay. Because it was so miraculous. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it got them to 500. I think that was the... Wow, we finally climbed the mountain to get to 500. So that was the game where I wouldn't even say I was confident they were going to make the playoffs, but that's when I started to think this could happen. How about you, Bisegli? Oh, I actually pulled up the schedule because I wanted to find the time and place, and I'm <laughs> with you there. It was the game before they beat the Celtics at home, 109-102. And then they went on this, this other roll. It was the Rockets at the Magic, which was another phenomenal finish, then just abused the Kings at home. Magic win, Knicks win. Lost at the Celtics, but that streak, when they had another winning streak, I said, okay, they can win games, and they're winning games in, I mean, heroic finishes. Even the Orlando crazy, game. The Orlando game yeah. was wild. Right after. And I also want to point out, this is the first time the three of us have done a podcast together since the 8-18 eight and 18 mark, <laughs> yeah, when the three of us were all coming up with ideas on how we should get coaches fired, <laughs> how GMs should go, who needs to be traded. So for a point of reference, it's the first time that the three of us are together since that 8-18 eight and 18 mark, and uh, I'm really happy that we ended up as a sixth seed from that point on. Couldn't really <laughs> realistically ask for anything No, more. I mean, the, the funny thing is, and you're right, because we did this podcast right after the eighth straight loss which I think was to Oklahoma City. Yes. Before that was the loss to Cleveland at home, which was just insanely bad. I remember right. Rodion's Karutz almost willed the Nets back. Right. And, yeah, if you go into the archives of this podcast and want to listen to a completely different mood and attitude, go back and listen to that at 8 and 18. But you are right. When they started winning, 
and for me it was the Rocket game, for you it was around there, Billy it was a little bit earlier, nothing was ever realistic higher than the six. So the truth is, forget the win total, they maxed out on seed. They, ma- they, they maxed out. This was the best possible scenario. They hit their expectation. Well, whose expectation? Well, it wasn't mine. <laughs> well, their own expectation. Because they couldn't go higher than the six anyway. They maxed out at their potential as far yeah, as seed is concerned. Because they were never going to catch Boston. Even with the Oladipo injury, they were never catching Indiana. So they ended up in the, the highest possible spot. But back to your point on that win streak. And it goes back to what I was saying. So they have the seven-game winning streak. It ends against the Pacers in Brooklyn, right? How do you respond to that? They won a couple in a row. They lost a couple in a row. They won a couple in a row. That was a six-game winning streak. And that was in the middle of it. So they put together another long extended winning streak. And I think at that point, it's no longer a team that's hot. It's a Mm. team that's good. Because when they were going through the seven-game winning streak, it I felt like I was documenting each win. It's one, it's two, it's three, it's four, it's five, it's six, it's seven. Right. Because it was coming off that eight-game losing streak. But the second one, the six-game one, I didn't have that, like, okay, wow, we're on a big winning streak. It started to get this feeling of, okay, we're a team that wins games. Right. This is good. The culture is shifting not only with the franchise, but maybe even in the fans' views. And I had a different mentality, and that brings it back to the, this is a team that can make the playoffs. They're good enough. And then when the Karis LeVert news comes in, it, it just shifted everything to, you know what? We have to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think that what, what's so weird about this season, and a lot of Net fans have said this, that this is their most enjoyable season in a very long time. And it is. And I was thinking about this the other night. To when? To what, what do you go back to and say it's the most enjoyable season since? Because the three playoff years in Brooklyn were not enjoyable. The last year they were a sub-500 team with Coach Lionel Hollins. The middle <laughs> year was the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce here, which was miserable. They yeah. got off to a bad start. They lost Brooke Lopez, and it was a very thankless kind of season, even though they got to the second round. Winning game seven in Toronto was obviously its pinnacle. And the year before that, even though they had great success, I think because of the Knicks' success, because the Knicks had a great year that year, and the net team was just not that likable. I never found the three playoff years in Brooklyn that enjoyable. So I have to go back to 06, where they won a lot of games that year. They won their first-round matchup. They won a game one in Miami, the Vince Carter-Jason Kidd year. I think I'd go back to 06 as far as the most enjoyable net season that we witnessed. I don't – I mean, I certainly understand what you're saying, and I completely agree with you about the uh, the the Brooklyn years. They just were not likable teams. D-Will was not the player oh. that we thought he was going to be. So automatically we're already we're already going back to New Jersey. Yes. And I think personally for me, and I know this is going back a while, but for me personally, I think this is in terms of cast of characters and in terms of exceeding expectations. Because if you think about it, before the season, a lot of a lot of people did not have this team penned in as a as a playoff team. Right. I, I certainly didn't. All three of us included. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of us. Did. No, I don't think any of us. And I. I, I got to, I think, 0102 in terms of likable. Nets in seven. <laughs> <laughs> When's that series start? Saturday? Saturday, Saturday afternoon. 2.30. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to see that. No, you're going to be golfing. Yeah, it's right, going to yeah, be 78 70 degrees. degrees outside. That's exactly uh, right. That's I like Are you guys I'll happy with Philly? Love it. They love it. Absolutely. You happy? You don't oh, want yeah. Toronto. No part no. of it. All right. no, no Toronto. You know what? Mm. We were just saying this before. 
when they went on their run, and we both were saying on the air, wow, this could be a playoff team, the best possible situation was the sixth seed. It was never right. going to be right. higher than right. that. So more than who they're facing, the fact that they got right. that. And a winning season. And a winning win- season, yes. 42 wins. And that matters. Sure you know, does. 41 and 41. Hey, you don't was... want to be under 500. No. 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 no you so don't. I think getting the sixth seed and getting Philadelphia and the uncertainty about Joel Embiid because there is uh, uncertainty about his knee, that helps. There you go. But the truth is they're facing a team that's better than them. And yeah. no matter who they face, they were going to so, be in that situation. You know what? Look. It, it, whatever happens now, it's uh, you know, it's house money. You it depends. Say you want. No, if they're up three well, one and they lose it, and they blew money. it. Yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, three yeah. one. Yeah, that, that would be different. Expectations be spoiling me. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? You're up three one and choke, then that's different. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it's it's great right. to be. It's a great that playoff yeah. basketball. Yeah. yeah, that's for damn sure. Yeah, I mean, but, let me ask you a question. I was yeah. asking these guys this. When, at the point of this season, I know you're not watching every game as closely as we are. Did you realize they're a playoff team? Early? Was it during that first winning streak or sometime I think it was after? the first winning streak. I thought they'd make the playoffs, honestly. Yeah. And the way Russell was playing, you know. And they, went, you know, and they pretty much survived the West Coast trip. You know, they won the two games on the West Coast. They have to everybody figured, you know, you got to get at least two. They did. Yep. And then, let's be honest, they got a little bit of a – I said this to you, too. At the end of the year, they're playing teams that it doesn't matter it for helped. them anymore. It, it they sat helping. Giannis in that game against Milwaukee. Yep. Then they beat Indiana. When Indiana – okay, yeah, but – I mean, they were playing for home court, but they, they didn't were. play that. Well, I don't know how big a deal that really is. Yeah, maybe you not. Know, right, yeah. You know, and then last night, you know, it didn't matter last night, but you yeah. took care of Miami. And the Nets were sitting guys, too. I know. So it's not right. as if, you right. know, they cared that much. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but that's a part of the NBA. I yeah. mean, you've got to beat the bad teams, which you do. Yep. you got to win yep. a couple of games against good teams. And, yeah, if you're lucky enough to take advantage of a team that's sitting their best players, you still got to win those games. Yeah. And they were able to do it. Yep. So. No, look, I hope they make a run. Nice yeah. win by the Islanders last night, too. Yes, that was that tremendous. Was tremendous game. I didn't think they were going to win that after no, they blew I didn't the lead with a minute and, and a half they, to go. Yes. Well, they almost won it at the end. What's it going? Josh freaking, Bailey. Right, the crossbar. Who scored the game-winning goal. Yes. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, well, we'll, we'll okay, continue with your net, Thank net you, love Joe. in here. A very special Joe Beningo podcast yeah. appearance. This is the only time very you get rare. to hear Joe on a podcast. It's only for you, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Only for you. Only for me. And Mike and Billy. Of course. Of course. I appreciate it. Help the download numbers. I think Joe made an appearance, though, during the Jimmy Butler podcast. That's right. During the 8 and 18 podcast. Did I? Yeah. Oh, I think maybe did. I did. Yeah. I think it was I the did. same circumstance. You're oh, a little better now. <laughs> That's like seven. Now. You heard it. Yeah, now we're facing Jimmy Butler, which is crazy. That. That's one oh, my God. Won't be the first time. Oh, can I imagine it? Well, I was, th- I was thinking about that. So this is the third time in net history they're facing the Philadelphia 76ers. And both times they faced them. And they're both before our time. Yeah, I just I want to put it, that right, out right, there. Right, right, right. Uh, 1979. And I don't remember that one as far as reading about. I know the 84 one because that's kind of legendary. Because until the Jason Kidd era, that was the only playoff series they'd ever won in the NBA. That's so crazy. It, it is, is crazy. crazy. But so, so to me, the 84 series is legendary. And both of those series, the 79 and the 84, have something in common with this one. And you want to know what that is? Please tell me, Evan. Phillies the three and the Nets are the there six. You go. How about that? In both situations. Now, the one in 79 was best of three, which is almost unheard of. I'd take that right now. <laughs> of course. Best of one. Let's go. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the Nets lost both of those games. In 84, it was best of five. And what people forget about this, maybe you don't if you saw it, the Nets won the first two games in Philadelphia. That's bizarre. And then lost the next two games in Jersey. That's crazy. And then won game five. Well, let's not do that again. <laughs> I, yeah. I missed. Oh, it's funny. Like when you're when you're the uh, six seed, he's like, bring give me the best out of five. I know. We don't need to stretch this out to seven games. So you think about it, it's like the Nets have to beat the Sixers four times. It's going to be tough. A lot of times it, to beat that. I will say this though. Yeah. I will say this. They're, even though small, 
against the Sixers, there is a remote possibility of winning the series, whereas against Milwaukee or Toronto, it'd be zero. Well, a couple of things before we go in-depth on this series. Just to finish off the point we made before Joe came in, the 0-2 season was and mm. will never be surpassed as far as best season as a Net fan until they win a championship and most surprising because yeah. they went from the zero doldrums to, to, yeah, the number one seed in the East, winning the game five against Indiana, the craziness against Boston, and getting to the NBA final. So I think for us, for our generation, nothing will ever match 0-2. And 0-3 was great. They got back to a finals. I just don't want to underrate 0-6 because they won 49 games. Remember the year before, we not we didn't get a feel for the Vince Carter Nets because they acquired him in the middle of the season. Right. And they were the eighth seed that year and got beat up by Miami. So 06 was the the finest Vince Carter year of that era. And so I know it's probably forgettable now, but that was a really fun season. So I would still say this is the best net season we've witnessed since 06. I'm with Team Billy on this one. I think I think this season is the baby, baby, baby version of what we saw in 01 and 02. We got a new point guard that just took off in Jason Kidd. You got Russell development in the point guard position. And just the that 01-02 team, was they, were, they had no expectations to make the playoffs would have been a bonus. But to go to the finals, and I think with this team, it was the same idea. Didn't know where they were going to go. Didn't have any feel. And all of a sudden... The season was magical. I mean, and, and the games that they won this year, I mean, they had some wins this year. And Craziness. I, I, I can't the Cleveland rem- game before I, the All-Star break. I can't How about remember that one? a season where I saw so many dramatic wins. Yes. Where and it was just, maybe that 0-1 OT thing, they probably beat people up a little more. Yes. But this season, it was just, this is, it's, the, it's the Brooklyn Nets. NBA TV always say this. Make sure you watch the final two minutes. It's going to be fun. And what's crazy is when you look at the final standings, of a few of those games don't go their way, mm. they're not in the postseason. True. And you look back at the eight-game losing streak and say maybe that's part of why they had such that. great success in those close games. Uh, the Houston game is obviously totally up there. The comeback against Sacramento on the West Coast trip where they were Ugh. about to start that trip just horribly if they didn't win that game. The Cleveland game before the All-Star break where they were potentially going to go under five hundred. Two of the Charlotte games were completely insane. The Detroit game earlier this season. I mean, there is a, it's kind of funny. There's a laundry list of just crazy games. Yeah, Yeah, it never ends. It was awesome. It's funny because we were all talking before the season. And actually, I think it was the first game they lost to the Pistons. It was a close game. The first game of the season. And I brought up the point. I said, well, you know, they they were in the game. You know, it was close. And then you actually haven't shot me down, which, which rightfully so. You said this season it's not about that. Yes. It's about winning those games now. And I think and they've shown that. This that they, is that they can win those games. This is the season you wanted. Now I know Kenny Atkinson said we maybe expected this in year four, year five, but with the talent that they have, and it's a testament to Sean Marks that they had this kind of talent despite not having lottery picks, but this is a talented basketball team. And it started to bother me as the season went on when the quote-unquote experts of the NBA would say, ah, they're not that talented. No, they are talented. Now, they're not as talented as Toronto or Philadelphia. I'm not saying that. But they've got a lot of talent on this basketball team. And so... And depth. And depth. And we'll get to that because I think that's one of the big factors going into this series that they have. But one last thing about this. The way we look at a season is sometimes viewed by what happens next. And what I mean by that is when you think back to the 2003 Boston Red Sox... You can't talk about them without mentioning what they did the following season. They did change the manager. They did make some moves, but they came back from 3-0. They revenged or avenged what happened in an earlier year. If the Nets 
lose a tough series, but then are never heard from again. Miss the playoffs next year. And all of a sudden, it never works. I don't think we're going to look back at this season with joy. I think if this really is the stepping stone, if this is year one of a process and three years from now they're in the NBA Finals, then, yeah, I think we'll look back at this year as this was the beginning. I I don't want to get too far ahead because I know them. I'm sure we'll do a podcast about free agency and everything that goes in with it. But if you weren't to add a Kevin Durant or a Kawhi Leonard and kept the core, re-signed D'Angelo, kept the core, changed a few things around, you would have the expectations next year, and we have to see what happens in free agency. But this is a team that's playing for home court advantage, you would hope for, yes. and going to the second round. You always raise the bar. If they didn't make a significant move, they made little touches to their to their roster, adding a stretch four, but not a star, a Nikola Miritich guy like that. I think from the growth of this team, the expectations would be in the high 40s to low 50s. Yeah. I think that's where we are. And remember, and I think it's a part of what this season has been, they had a lot of injuries this year. You talked about Karis LeVert. How about Spencer Dinwiddie with the thumb issue for a month? games. And they were able to sustain these injuries. And then once fully healthy, not even click. It does feel, yes. and maybe to Joe's point, it's helped out by the fact that the Bucks didn't play Giannis Antetokounmpo, that the Pacers weren't that motivated. But it does feel like they've closed this season finally starting to click, led by the fact that Karis LeVert is starting to oh. look like pre-injury Karis LeVert. I think that's an X factor heading into the heading into this season. If he, if, you know, a lot of Nets fans that I talk to, even, even us, the Karis LeVert injury could have actually been a blessing in disguise. I mean, you don't want to see anybody injured, but would D'Angelo Russell have developed right. the way he did? Right. So if now, if we got a developed D'Angelo Russell, everybody's clicking, and we're starting to get pre-injury Karis, Listen, I I, I don't want to I don't want to make any bold predictions here, but you know what they need though. Speaking of, they need pre-injury Spencer Dinwiddie. That's, I mean, they need yeah. more Dinwiddie's been mostly mediocre since he's come back. He's had his moments. Uh, they need that Spencer Dinwiddie, and, Din- it, and he's done that versus Philly. His best yes. games this season, he had the thirty-nine point performance versus Philly on the road. So right. he does have confidence there. But I agree. He, I think he broke out a little bit late uh, last couple of games. He's looked better. I'm not even counting that last game versus Miami. I think right. it was bizarre with how they did everything and how <laughs> that game went. Yeah. But it started to look like he turned a corner a little bit, I thought. I thought he had a very good fourth quarter versus Indy, which helped bridge the gap from the third and fourth. He had a nice game. All right, let's get to who they have. And who they have is the Philadelphia 76ers. Joe asked this question a few minutes ago. We were all in agreement that this was the preferable matchup once it came into focus that it was either going to be Philadelphia or Toronto. This is who you want? This is who I want. Yes. Do you say it based on the fact that other than the last time they played, and they played recently, it was the final game of that road trip, and maybe you could throw it out because it was the final game of that road trip. But outside of that game, the Nets played the Philadelphia 76ers very well. There's no question. One of the losses was because (sighs) they ferociously came back in the fourth quarter. I don't think Philly missed a shot, and Jimmy Butler hit that game-winning shot where we just tip our hat to him. I mean, he did everything (laughs) right on that play. But is that a part of it, the fact that there's been regular season success against them? To me personally, I don't think so. I just just look at Philadelphia, and I say there's a lot of flaws with this team. Number one, are they going to be completely healthy? Is Joel Embiid going to play game one? Two... I think a lot of the players on that team hate each other. And, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's true. I don't. I don't think a lot of people like Jimmy Butler. And I think if the Nets come out firing, it'll get in their head. Plus three, we got them on the bench they, by a lot. They don't have a bench that we do. It does bring up the interesting points, though, because everything you said, I, I believe you, and I feel it. And then you just look at Philly, that has 
so much freaking talent and a center that is just a disaster for the Nets. The Nets let JaVel McGee have career highs yeah. when they played the Lakers. What, do you have, like a 30-20 and 20 game? It was Will Chamberlain It was JaVel McGee. <laughs> so now you're putting one of the, the best big men we've seen the last 20 years on the court. The guy can shoot threes. He can pass. He is a nightmare for the Nets. With that all said, I'm very happy it's them and not Toronto. Yeah, and by the way, more than just Joel Embiid, and maybe it's the bias of what he's done over the last seven or eight games and the bias of even what he did against Brooklyn, he played well that night, is Boban. I mean, Boban's going to be a pain in the ass, too. True. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge game. Yeah, we've seen backup centers destroy the Nets, and his canter is known to do it. That is the thing. The two things that scare me about Philadelphia, their starting five is ridiculous. I mean, it's better than ours, and it's probably better than – Maybe even the Milwaukee Bucks. It's probably better than any starting lineup in the NBA outside of the Golden State Warriors. When you look at the balance of it, I know Ben Simmons doesn't shoot threes. Fine, play off of him, but he can get it to the basket. We know the ability he has, the matchup problems he supplies with the wingspan that he has. But J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid, that's a pain in the ass. They don't have a bench. It's a fantastic starting lineup. Yes, I mean, and, and and what do you think is going to happen in the playoffs? These guys are going to play big minutes. What will happen is T.J. McConnell will come in and kill the Nets. And he'll Bobon finish, and T.J. McConnell. He'll come in and have 18 and 7. And Mike, like, Scott. Oh, then Mike Scott will be hitting threes. I, well, that lineup, can't happen. Their starting lineup is great when you go name by name, but they haven't meshed together yet. They ha- We haven't seen them point. healthy do this together. You reference, oh, it could be better than the Bucks lineup. That Milwaukee Bucks starting lineup is a cohesive unit. They know what they're doing together. <laughs> they, but if, if Philly could ever get their you-know-what together, uh, it's terrifying. They had a stretch when it became obvious they were going to get the three seed about a month ago against some good teams where they won six in a row. And it did feel like, okay, this is the best of the Philadelphia 76ers. We know what they're capable of. The fact that Jimmy Butler hasn't played a lot over the last two weeks, the fact that J.J. Redick has had this back issue, which I don't even know how serious it really is, and obviously Embiid is the big factor, I think Embiid's going to play. You know, when Elton Brand says, ah, you know, anything can happen or whatever he said, I think he's being pushed by a reporter and is basically saying, sure, anything Uh, can happen. Do you think Embiid's not playing game one? I don't think it's as clear-cut as you're making it. I think there is a chance he's not in the lineup. And by the way, history is important. Joel Embiid missed a few of their first-round games last year against Miami. So this isn't abnormal for him to miss playoff games. And, oh, by the way, Philadelphia won the damn series. I think they won it in six or they, they won, won it in five. five. I think they won it in five. And they lost one of the first two games at home. They won it in, They may have. Yeah, I think you're right. They lost. And now that was a different team, though, with different chemistry. I get it. I get this it. Team, I feel like this team loses Embiid. It doesn't have the same core that in that last year's Sixers team felt like how the Nets feel this year. Yes. With the vibe, a better version, better of, version it. of it, a better correct. version yep. of it, yep. but the energy, the love, the cohesiveness, all on the same page. Hey, we had this magical run. This wasn't supposed to happen this year. They lose in beat. It's about, we lost our best player. He's the guy that has well, to carry us. That's a bad, uh, it, uh, obviously I'm not saying anything they, breakthrough here, but it's, it's a bit bad loss. They are. And you know what? They're probably what we're going to feel like next year. There's pressure on them. Mm-hmm. They have to, it would be a disaster and beat or not if they oh, lose God. this round, right? That's the way we're going to feel next year. Now, Philadelphia made a bigger jump last year than the Nets even have. I think they won 28 games the year before, and last year they won 50, 51, 52, something Crazy. in that range. And they won their first round matchup. So they made the jump. And then busted through by knocking off Miami. And I, I'll admit this. I remember 
one of the predictions I made, bold prediction, was I thought Miami would beat them. And that them. was a 3-6 as well, right? I think it was, yes. It was 3-6. And a part of why I thought Miami was going to beat them was the coaching of Eric Spolstra and just the experience factor right. that I wondered how Philly would handle it. Now, they have experience from last year, including a second-round series. They added guys with experience. I mean, Jimmy Butler's got worlds of experience. Yep. Tobias Harris has almost played on every team in America. <laughs> but the Nets. But the Nets. <laughs> But it's different because they're not as deep as they were last year. Defensively, they haven't played as well, at least according to the metrics, as last year. And you're right. They have this roster that, I guess from the outside, we wonder about how they're going to face adversity together if somehow the Nets did win a game. Would guys turn on each other? Would Jimmy Butler go completely insane? So those are two things that you definitely are intrigued by going into this series. I want to take a different perspective on this. And let's let's flip it for a second. Okay, let's look at it from a Philadelphia standpoint. Yeah. Do you think the Sixers or Sixer fans are happy that they drew us? I don't think so. I think they're going to have a tough time with D'Angelo Russell. I think if, J- if Jared Allen's playing, you know, if, if Jared Allen isn't getting abused by, by Embiid, I know it's easier said, but I, I don't think they look I, at this. Okay, here's why I think you're wrong. I think we are in our bubble. Okay. And I don't I, think we understand what, other NBA fans, diehard NBA fans, not, and I should say fans of teams think. The Orlando Magic has played better than the Brooklyn Nets over the last month. Would you agree with that fair, statement? Fair, yes. They have been great. Nikola Vukovic is an all-star player, right? Yeah. You don't think they would view the Magic in the same light as the Nets, if not at more of a team they wouldn't want to face? And they almost faced the Magic. It could have been that, right? Easily. So... I don't know if they look at it and say, ah, oh, damn it, we wanted the magic, and we got the Nets instead. Because I think a lot of fans are just going to look at 42 and 40 and say, okay, they're cute. They've come a long way. We should beat them. We saw what happened a few weeks ago, the way Jared Allen got bitched out by Joel Embiid, and he did. He ended up playing only like nine minutes in that game because he sucked. He played the whole second half. Yeah, well, rightfully so. And remember who the best player on the Nets was that night. Rondé. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. And I tell you, and I'm no fan of Rondé, I think he, we, he will get minutes he will get one of these games, maybe a few of these games, he will play significant minutes. I'm with Team Billy on this one, bringing and posing the question. I, I don't – it's not like they're looking at it going, oh, no, we got the Nets, not Orlando. But from a perspective of a better matchup, the Sixers all season have had issues guarding point guard play in the pick and roll. Mm. The Nets' biggest strength are their three guards. It's Russell, it's Dinwiddie, it's Levert. All three of them, top of the key – Ball in their hand, pick and roll. The Nets are far superior on that side of things than the Magic. And I think from that standpoint, it does give the Sixers some fits. And you know what? To back up your point, they swept the Magic. (laughs) They killed them in every game. So you're right, based on their head-to-head experience with them. And speaking of which, I don't put a lot of stock in head-to-head. I really don't. And I think we as Net fans should really not put a lot of stock in head-to-head because I know a different situation, but the Nets had swept the LeBron James Miami Heat the year they played them in the postseason and lost in five. And so, yeah, I think matchups matter, but I think that things change. You know, when the Nets played Philadelphia three of the four times, it was a long time ago. It was. And so it's really tough to put a lot of stock in those head to And as games. you mentioned, that last game, the end of a seven-game road trip, it's just impossible to gauge. The Nets beat up on the Spurs when the Spurs were at the end of their eight-game road trip. If you drop somebody from another planet and said, here are the Net and Spurs, they would say the Spurs are the worst team in basketball. Mm. It was the end of that eight-game, eight 100-day rodeo road yeah. trip. They looked miserable. They come back out of that. The Spurs end up going on their hot streak. 
end up in the playoffs. And that's a part so of why. So it's just impossible to gauge. And if I'm not mistaken, three of the four games, the first three games, was pre-Tobias Harris trade. Oh, yes. So, and, and pre the Nets even looking like the team they currently it's pre-2019. are. Pre-2019. Yeah. No, you're 100% right. That's why I, I can't look at the season series. Now, they just played Toronto, and we saw what happened in Brooklyn in a game that the Nets really needed to have. So I overall agree with you that while I think the Sixers are a better team, the Raptors are a better team, I think Philadelphia is the better matchup. Doesn't mean they're going to win two games in this series. It just means that right. I would take my shot with Philly over Toronto, so I do agree with you guys. And maybe a little biased that it's easier to make the trip to Philly than it is Toronto. Yeah, the two hours. How much zone is Kenny going to throw at these guys? Because we've seen Kenny use a lot of zone. At times it feels like teams have figured it out, but you think he's going to throw a lot of zone at them? I think with their with the Sixers starting five, because they're so talented, I think you almost have to. I think you almost have to. I, I they will. I'm I'm just my brain's turning here. I'm curious how Kenny uses the zone because he's been. We've seen games where Nets go on an 8-0 run, timeout by the other team. They come out in his zone, right? And he, and he and he finds times to pick and choose it. So I think. It's not a matter of will he use it. It's how and when to disrupt the Sixers. Do you think right out of the gate? Because Rondé Hollis Jefferson is not in this rotation. He's been used in these circumstances. Obviously, if it's a blowout one way or the other, number one. Number two, if they need energy and they want to go small, they'll throw. That's basically something we saw a lot of during the losing streak earlier this year in Charlotte or at home against Charlotte in Miami. We saw a lot of Rondé Hollis Jefferson, and there was actually positives defensively out of it. We saw it in the Sacramento game. I mean, Rondé Hollis Jefferson played a huge role in the Sacramento game, and we did see it in the last Philadelphia game, though it was the end of a long trip. Do you think right out of the gate we see Rondé Hollis Jefferson, or is it break glass in case of emergency with him? I don't think right out of the gate we're going to see him. I think because, I mean, we just said we're not going to look at the regular season. Did too much changeover. The Nets were at the end of the road trip the last time they faced them. I think we're going into it fresh and going with uh, our main starting five. And I think they'll get killed on the glass if that's the case. But if they play him, who are you taking out of the rotation? I mean, Jared Dudley's earned the minutes. You can't have him not play. Jaron Allen. That's the I'm talking well, about going that, small to match up it, with but them. But that's it. That would be the guy. Yeah. That's the swap. Well, look, he's going to get the first crack. All right? Yes. That, well, he's I he's think, earned that. I think that's where I'm going is yeah. Allen will, but I guess then if it doesn't work out, he'll have a quick leash and he will not be shy about saying, Allen, no. you're done. Sorry. Look, he did it in the Because Ed's getting season. his minutes. Yeah. Ed's getting his minutes. It's Allen. Yeah. And Jared Dudley's in this postseason rotation. It has to be. Yeah. He has been. I, I got to give him a lot of credit. That Milwaukee game was won partially because of him. I do wonder, I get nervous about it, even though Philadelphia, last year, first postseason experience, they took care of it. I do get a little worried about the lack of postseason experience that they do have from key players. D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Jared Allen. Basically all of them. Yeah, the veterans that they have, have it. No, Damare, Ed Davis, Jared, they have it. That's why those guys are going to be very, very important. No question. Maybe that's a good thing, though. I mean, you talked about the Sixers last year, no experience, and they came in and they did it. Maybe it's the same thing with the Nets this year. Well, the veterans are going to be very important. I agree with you, Billy. Yeah. I mean, especially Damare Carroll. That's why that hand injury that we saw, I think it was during the Indiana game, was a little worrisome. Well, I have, I, I can report on this. I was yes. at the Nets game yesterday, yes. and I went to uh, the bar in the Barclays, and, and you can watch the practice facility. You can look <laughs> down low. Yeah. Saw Damare running. 
Yeah, but what was he doing with his hand? Well, I'm just telling you. He was running. <laughs> That's great. He was keeping up in uh, cardiovascular shape in case he needs to and, go in. And you always say this, and it's so true. This team seems to go where Joe Harris is. Right. They need him to shoot the basketball incredibly well. And if memory serves correct, the last Philly game, he did. I think he was their best offensive player that night. Obviously, Rondé came in off the bench and overall was their best player that night against Philadelphia. But I think Joe Harris that night shot the ball well. But in general, they win when Joe Harris is shooting well. It's a it's a sign that the offense is in rhythm because I don't think Joe takes threes on his own. He doesn't. So when he's shooting well, it's a uh, a byproduct of what the offense is doing. They're moving the ball. They're getting it to him. He's open in spots, and he and he knocks down his shots. So he's he's making forty seven percent of his threes. So when he's hitting his shots, it means that the Nets are offense is moving and it's in rhythm. When he's not scoring, it's because he's not getting the ball, and the offense is just one on one ball play. How good is he around the basket? It's incredible. It's it's he's so good. He's so good. He's a great rebounder. I mean, he does so many those alley, things. Those alley oops from Russell, yeah. where he's doing like reverse spin ins. Yeah. I was like, you need to go and take Rondé and teach him how a layup works. <laughs> well, like we need the Joe the Joe Harris basketball camp is over the summer, just, I believe, in Washington. Yeah. Or take just take Joe Harris and teach. <laughs> Teach Rod how to shoot a basketball. <laughs> well, that's a fair point. I mean, Look, well, I'm, I'm not trying that. Honestly, far. let's face it with Ronde. This is it for him. Okay. I love, I love, come on. I weirdly love Ronde, though. You know, he's a fun, energetic. He bring he brings the he's a good chemistry guy. Maybe I'm a bit of stretch here, but I, I he mean, just can't make a layup. Going, I see the thing is though, is that I understand your point, but going forward in the offseason, you're gonna have to address like we're gonna have to use every single roster right. spot is gonna have to mean something. He's gone. No, he's no, gone. No, no, it's got, no, it's not even gone. worth debating. Like that's one of the things we know. Um Net Sixers, best of seven series. Oh my god, it's crazy to think that that's actually going to happen. But as you were saying earlier, and not on air, but we've talked about this in the past, and by earlier I mean the last few weeks. Okay. They have to clean up their free throw shooting. And mm. it's cost them specific games. It's the, been better. It's been better, but they cannot miss free throws. When you are playing a team that's better than you, yeah. you can't give points away. And it leads to this. When they go through their offensive slump, my hope now is you clear it out and Dinwiddie and Levert take it to the basket because those guys right now can get there at will. And they're starting to get the whistle, especially Spencer Dinwiddie. So that's the way, instead of just hoisting up threes when the offense isn't clicking, those two guys have the ability to drive to the basket and get to the line at any moment. Now, Dinwiddie's been shaky at the line. It feels like he's been shakier since he's come back from this injury. It's a weird comment. But when uh, when you watch the game on Yes and they do the different camera angle under the basket for the free throw, do you feel like it's bad luck yes. on the free throws? Yes, I'm always I like, think that all the time. I'm like, no, I don't want this <laughs> angle. I need the traditional angle to watch this. I'm like, this is not going in. Jared Allen under the hoop. Why are we even shooting the ball? You know, it's funny. I was I gonna, always think that. I was so close to texting that to Ian Eagle, and I realized he would block me if I started texting him advice about how the game should be filmed. Yeah, let me let me then tell this to our director and producer. Yes. Who are Thanks, in a Evan. truck <laughs> on a Saturday night at 830 <laughs> when they're away from their kids producing Nets versus Cavs. Yeah, that's what they want to hear. But they've got to make their free throws. Yes. It's as simple as that. What is, and Joe was on this podcast earlier. If you missed it, you can rewind it. <laughs> but he said, hey, you got to be happy you're playing with house money. Obviously, we know if they're up 3-0, they're not playing with house money. If they're up 3-1, they're not playing with house money. So I know this question does have caveats. But what are we looking for here? Because realistically, they're not going to win this series, right? I think we all know that. Realistically. Realistically. So if they got this to a sixth game, if it was 2-2, game five in Philly, kind of like the Atlanta series the last time they were in the playoffs, 
what is that bar where you say, all right, they gave us a good year? Or does it not matter? If they got swept, would you be okay? I, I'd be okay if they were – I wouldn't know. Okay. I'm not okay if they're swept. That would suck. But if every game is good, every game is competitive, the Nets show life, they're just beat by a better team and it sucks and it's painful, I'd be more okay with a 4-0 than a, 5, a 4-1 if the Nets were horrible in all the games. Now, Except for the one they won, you mean. Yeah. Right, obviously they won that game. But if they're fighting and they're competitive, yeah. 4-0 would suck. But I could accept it more. I'd love to see this team fight and take this thing to a sixth game and show some positivity. I'd feel really good about that. How about you? I mean, look, I, I, I just want to preface this by saying I'm not saying at all do I, do I think the Nets are going to win this series. But I hate doing things like this when your team is in it. Because yeah. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna watch these games. I'm gonna be locked in. I'm gonna be yelling at the TV. I'm gonna have my gear on. You know, I'm gonna be ready. I'm <laughs> gonna be a, I'm gonna be a re- the real Nets fan that I am. Right. Uh, a successful season to me would be six games. Yeah, I, I'll give you this. The last time the Nets were in the playoffs, they were the eight seed. They won 38 games, 37 games, whatever it was. Yeah. The Lionel Hollins year. As bad of a year as it was, they were in Game One in Atlanta. They lost a close game. They were in game two in Atlanta. They lost a close game. They won game three. They won a crazy game four. That the Williams yep. yes. banana games. Game five, they were sort of in it, kept it close. They pulled away late. They got destroyed in game, game six. six they they yeah. just got destroyed. If you gave me that, that template, right. I think you'd have to take it. Now, I'm with you, Billy. I watch every, even as an eight seed against Atlanta, that unlikable right. net team that they was, you watch it with the intent of winning. That was our best memory of Darren Williams. <laughs> it really the was. Whole, that was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It certainly wasn't game five against Miami, that's for sure. Um, so you watch it with the intent of winning. And the hope is to win. Even if they're down 3-0, we're locked in a game four thinking, well, maybe they could come back from 3-0. I'm just here before, as we're rational, before the games start, realistically, that's what I'm asking. Obviously, we want to win the series. I like that template. Yeah, I think that's the template. Yeah. You get a game five in Philly, tie 2-2. I mean, could you ask for more than that? I mean, I mean, we're looking no. at it right now as three calm Nets fans. Two thirty on Saturday. I'm not going to be a calm <laughs> Nets fan. No, I know. I'm going to be here running the board, yelling at the TV. While I'm supposed to be paying attention to what's going on on air, I'm going to be locked into this game. We might have to delete this later if something happens at work <laughs> yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> Billy, li- Billy was sick. <laughs> uh, um, give me a prediction then. Uh, I'm going to take the Sixers in six. Okay, so you think that's what we're getting. Now, is it six in that it's 2-2, they lose a game five in Philly, and then lose game six in Brooklyn? I change it. Sixers in five. Sixers I think the, I, I think the Nets get a game in Brooklyn. Okay, so they go down 2-0. Your traditional 2-0, get game three. Lose game four. Yeah. Basically what happened against Miami in 2014. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Billy? Oh, I hate doing this. I mean, I'm going to go... Sixers and six. Oh, I hate saying it. it kills me. To Just say remember, that. when you say six, that means they're losing game six in their own building, which right. is going to suck, but well, <laughs> that's what it is. I I think somehow the Nets do find a way to win game one. Really? Oh, we're going to get that kind of tease? Yeah. <laughs> they're going to get a game in Philly? Yeah. I think no, game one, they come out firing. They're up like 12, and then they and then the crowd kills them. Yeah. That's I, that that would not surprise me. I'm feeling like, oh, here are the Nets. Nobody's seen them nationally. This is what they're doing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the second half happens, and it's Embiid in the crowd. And yeah. people from Philly are just such good sports fans, and they can't handle it. I mean, either, either, either way, I'm predicting – a loss, even though it pains. You can probably see the pain 
yeah. in my face saying that. Yeah, it's painful. I get it. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I mean, if you want me to give an answer, I'll say uh, Sixers and six. Uh, yeah, Nets, I, Evan, just say Nets and five. Just Nets are going to sweep this series. Sweep. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, look, the Sixers are probably going to win this series. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I always say this. Joe and I both say this. I'd rather be wrong and happy than right and miserable mm. when we make predictions about our own teams. I, I kind of lean towards what you said initially, and that's Philly winning this thing in five. I think Embiid is way too much. I think there needs to be a great disparate, a great discrepancy between benches as far as bench scoring is concerned. They have to take advantage of that kind of edge. You know, you can't let Speedy Claxton beat you. Sorry, I'm thinking about the 03 NBA Finals. Like, that can't happen. Tim Duncan's going to beat you. That happens. David Robinson, even at that point, is going to have his moments. You can't let those guys beat you. So, Tobias Harris is a very good player. Joel Embiid's a tremendous player. That's going to happen. Mike Scott can't beat you. TJ McConnell can't beat you. I do envision a similar thing. I think they give them a fight in game one. They come up short. They lose game two. I think they win game three to build us in and lose a tough game four and actually lose a tough game five. So I think it will be a competitive series, but I only think we get one game. I think it'll be game three in Brooklyn. I hope it's more than that. I envision us going down to Philadelphia for a game seven, just like I did to Toronto. And boy, did that pay off because they actually won that game. What a moment. I am due, though, to go to a game seven and lose. I take that. Yeah, no, of course. Well, I take the game well, seven. Well, see, I mean, what would lot. happen is, is that if we if we actually do that road trip in a, in a game seven and potential game seven, I don't have a good success watching games with you. I understand. Listen, you, you throw it all out there. It's a game seven on the road. You take your chance. Here's my one, my final one, once a podcast shot at the Knicks. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. No, but but listen, all the go ahead. All the things that we just threw out. If we take if we took this exact team and it was the Knicks, yeah, they'd, they'd be, be going to the conference oh, finals. Just. Listen, Edit that out. We got through this whole podcast without you even suck. mentioning the Knicks. Why bring them up? They're irrelevant right now. I, I know. When they I, get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, we're going to have to eat it. So let's just enjoy the next couple just, of weeks. Just remember, win or lose, that starting on Saturday, you get that feeling of anxiety, and it's your team in the playoffs, and those up-and-down moments. You get to enjoy that for a week and a half. Thank you, fellas. After this series, we'll do one of two things. We'll either preview the second round, or we'll preview this offseason. Or talk about the title. <laughs> right. Thank you. Mike Biseglia, producer of Moose and the Taz. Taz and Moose. <laughs> Billy, the creator of the CBS Sports Minute. Uh, coming up, there'll be another pod. This is a back-to-back podcast week. Uh, me and Brian Monzo of WFN will do a post WrestleMania State of the WWE podcast, and it's very likely, that's how I'll phrase it, that after game one, I will have an instant reaction podcast, good or bad. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.